0: Welcome to Queer Christian Conversations, the podcast where we explore the intersection of queer identity and Christian faith. I'm your host, Coach Yema, and I'm here to guide you through this journey. As an LGBTQ affirming Christian coach, I know firsthand that navigating these two identities can be complex, especially when fear, shame, and doubt are involved. That's why on this podcast, I'll be sharing my own experiences, insights, and strategies to help you feel confident in your relationship with God. We'll cover a range of topics from how to reconcile your queer identity with your faith to practical tips for building a strong spiritual foundation. Together, we're going to dive deep into the issues that matter the most to you. So whether you are a Christian, who is queer, looking to connect with others, who share your journey, or someone who's curious about how these two identities can coexist, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and let's have some queer Christian conversations. Hello there. Hello, beloved. Welcome back. Yeah, I know. It's been a minute, but you're going to really enjoy this episode. Um, I am so excited to share with you all of the exciting things that have been happening with Confidently Queer and of course with me because you already know my life is a movie, honey. (laughs) So the first thing I want to share with you all is you all have been asking me for the longest time to have a community. And so, Finally, I did it. We have a community now. So, community. <laughs> community. We have a community now called Rainbow Revelations. You can go to Rainbow Revelations Dot org and you can join for free or you can be part of our paid membership, which we go deep diving into scriptures that relate to LGBTQ topics, general topics, healing topics, God topics, Jesus topics, all the topics, okay? So if you are ready to come into closer community with me and help me pronounce community, uh, go to rainbowrevelations.org and it is there for you. Now, another thing that's happening is, oh my gosh, I'm so excited, for the very first time, the affirmation cards, a 50, is it 52? It's either 52 or 54, deck of cards of affirmations that are specific for queer Christians. So for the first time ever, it's on sale. It's a one of its kind because I couldn't find it. And so what did I do? I created it. (laughs) Okay. So... It is now for sale, but it comes actually with a bundle. So the bundle is like a whole, my first time doing like this whole like holiday special thing. So the holiday bundle actually comes with the online course, which is how much it is on the website and the devotional the 40-day devotional and affirmation cards and so all of that right now is on sale for you and if you use the code black friday on the website or on the link for the bundle you're going to get a really special treat and it's actually going to expire on the 26th so make sure you go do that all that's out the way i cannot honestly wait for you guys to get your hands on these affirmation cards and if you don't have the devotional for you to get your hands on it because here's the thing We can get free from going through a course, but in order to stay free, we need a routine, okay? And so what the devotional will do and the cards will do is get you a good routine, honey, for at least two months. If you can make it, you can reuse the cards and keep going, honey, and redo the devotional. So if you can get yourself through it maybe like twice, you are going to be so set up. Honestly, if you get it now, you'll be so set up for this new year because it's not just for us to get free. The goal is to stay free, okay? Can I get amen? Amen. All right, now, let me push you with my business a little bit. Okay, listen. Guess what I have been up to? I have been exploring my sexualidad. So I have been putting myself into environments that are taboo for most people. And for most people who are still bound by religion, they probably consider it maybe demonic. (laughs) And I have been enjoying pushing my limits in these environments. And I will say what I've been learning about myself because someone told me uh, this makes sense that I'm putting myself in these situations because I'm such an advocate for pleasure, which I am. And so that's why I've been putting myself in these situations. And I have to admit it has been the most beautiful experiences that I've had I'm not gonna say in a while because my life is pretty amazing <laughs> but it really has added such a an interesting layer interesting layer to my life experience and my self-development and my actualization and really leaning into What I truly believe that is a extension of my calling to really give people permission to experience pleasure. By first giving myself permission to experience pleasure in different environments with really beautiful, amazing souls. And in these environments, what has carried over into like my day-to-day life that I want to share with you all is that in these environments, the idea and the concept of consent, and if you have any kind of kink and you already know what I'm talking about, um, (laughs) what I've been putting myself into, but the idea of consent in these environments have been really pivotal for me in how I deal with people in my day-to-day life where like normally, maybe i would feel rejected by something or someone's decision now when things happen i'm just like oh they're just not consenting to have me or consenting for me to be a part of their experience in this situation that's they're just their consent has changed right because one of the things that we learn in these environments that's so important for all of our lives is that someone's consent can change at any time and they don't need to explain why so for me in my regular life it's been so freeing if someone is like doing something or having something i'm not invited or something anything weird right if someone's like we're in a conversation and they stop responding Whatever may be happening, it's just so easy for me now to just be like, oh, they're just not consenting to continue this conversation. That's okay. Like, they don't need to explain that. And it's been so freeing. And maybe one day I will share a bit more with you all. If you're interested, let me know if you're interested because you know I will share. And I have a private page right now where I am exploring more of this. So if you sign into my inbox, I will share it with you. Okay. All right. Now, let's jump into the topic of today, which is the holding on to Christianity after learning the history of Christianity. For me, this question has been rolling around all of this year for me. And on Zoom not Zoom, sorry, (laughs) on TikTok Live the other day, someone just straight up asked me. And I just love that because the spirit answered and it was a good answer through me that I heard and they heard and it was awesome. Whether I remember that answer right now, it may come up, it may not, but if you wanna know how I answered it, it's on my TikTok and on Instagram at Confidently Queer. So this question came like this this beautiful soul asked the question, what do you do with the history? How do you reconcile the history of Christianity and how the church behaves towards queer people and the idea or the knowledge or the belief, I should say, the belief that God is love? How do you reconcile all of that? And I thought Thanksgiving Day would be a perfect day for this conversation because the history of Thanksgiving <laughs> is really not what we all learned when we were coloring turkeys in fifth and sixth grade, right? It was It's a much bloodier history, like most of what we are learning and we've learned if you've de- de- deconstructed Christianity and what do we do with this information that we have at our fingertips now because no one can no one can say to me that they just don't know because at this point i'm going to tell you that it's willful ignorance and like most things in our society and the modern world that we live in right now The stories, the histories are very much darker than we learned in school, which makes sense, right? You're growing up in the country that won, right? The victors write the stories, so they're not going to tell you that they were genocidal, right? They're not going to tell you any of those things. They're going to say there was a really great party and we were really really thankful that they helped us, you know, Learn how to survive, and then a generation later, we killed all of them. Right? They're not going to tell you that story, and the story of Thanksgiving, the real story of Thanksgiving, even Black Friday, the real story of that. Go Google it again because it's there. And as I'm thinking about it now, and I was thinking this. This is a side note. I was thinking this when I was writing the email. I've already posted everything. Um, but i'm like why am i using this term still and i still used it so room to grow there because now i'm like getting upset with myself so i'm not going to pause this because y'all know i don't do no uh no editing so we're going to keep going if i'm done recording this in time i'm going to go and <laughs> i'm going to go update everything um as i'm rethinking why i use that term so the history of the experiences that we are all collectively a part of with Christmas and Thanksgiving and then now right with Christianity is a lot darker and bloodier than we knew about and so as you start to deconstruct maybe as white queer Christians maybe there's not a decolonization that happens but for a black person who's queer, who's also Christian, there is automatically a need to decolonize because number one, the white Jesus, white savior story doesn't doesn't work. Well, number one, because Jesus wasn't white, but usually that's like the beginning of why does Jesus look like a white guy, blue eyes, blonde hair? We've all heard that story, right? But really when you start to decolonize, you start to learn the history of Christianity and you start to learn how Christianity really was a tool used by colonizers to colonize nations of people, especially the continent that I'm from, Africa. And I mean, not even especially that because the Europeans, right? Because I think sometimes we think like Europeans are maybe the English folks, right? But Spain is in Europe. And the fact that I'm speaking Spanish in Mexico, not one of their many dialects that they have here, is again, another cold extension of colonialism, never ending. It's going to end soon. We're going to work on it. But this never ending reach of complete takeover of cultures and then learning that Christianity, right? Mexicans... And Catholicism, I mean, when I was driving down here to, um, to where I live now, driving through Mexico, the Virgin Mary, there were statues of her everywhere so people could just randomly stop and like worship her, right? And so it's everywhere, it's in everything, and then you look at it and you're like, well, this is where this is coming from, right? Christianity and... Colonialism, really, they're not brothers. <laughs> they're not even cousins, honey, they twins. In the way that the Western church practices Christianity, let me be specific, it is very much colonialist. And so as a Black person, how do you hold on to Christianity knowing it's bloody... Violent, wicked history that it was used to strip people of their identity, strip people of their culture, strip people of their language. Makes me like, here I go, I'm about to tear up. Y'all already know. Stripping people of their language and then presenting to them a God and a Savior that looks nothing like them. I'm remembering when I worked in the ministry and they would go to Uganda and one of the initiatives that they had would be to show the Jesus movie. And so they would like send videos back to the executive team to say like, look, we're discipling and we are changing you know, nations and it would be uh, Africans, right? I don't want to use the term black Africans because, okay, Um, because I've been reading that recently, doing some study on another nation, and they keep saying black Africans, excuse me. So, Africans sitting around watching a white savior on the screen and being dissociated from who they are to what's needed in order to be made whole. And it breaks my heart. And so I'm not here to give you, if you're listening for like, like, how do you hold on to Christianity? I'm not here to give you an answer because listen, I struggle with this. I'll tell you how I managed to keep <laughs> my peace at the end, but we're going to get real about the struggle, right? Especially as a black woman. So looking now, I'm like remembering the scene because I'm sitting in this, you know, in our uh, executive meeting room and we're looking up at this big screen and hear these Africans are sitting um, watching the screen of what is supposed to be the right and only way to heaven and all these plate, all this, you know, this linear story that we tell about time. To save yourself, you have to follow this guy that looks nothing like you, doesn't even know how to pronounce your name. Can we be real about it? Do you know how my name had to be changed in the pronunciation, because Americans, white people, really could not, I'm going to say Americans in general because even Black Americans struggled <laughs> with this, but could not say my name because my name is not <laughs> My name is Yema, right? And being in Mexico, they say it right the first time. But just the dissociation of identity that happens in these spaces where we are called to be first a Christian, and it sounds so good when they're saying it, we're like, yeah, of course, like I'm not a woman first, I'm not a black person first, like I'm not this first, like I'm a Christian, right? And if you are Gnostic in your beliefs and you're not like religious about it, if you're Gnostic, it can be like, okay, I understand that the Christian, the Christ experience is about oneness. And so my first identity is one with god yeah that makes total sense because my divinity then is not colored with blue eyes and blonde hair it is me in my skin as Yemma, i'm divine i'm christ right and so that makes sense but in religious in the religious paradigm that's not what they're saying they're saying that your belonging to this religion is what comes first and so everything else has to be divorced from that And the unique aspect of Christianity is that it's one of the, if not, I believe, I mean, I guess Buddhists and Hindus have um, been more inclusive, but Christianity is one of the first religions that said, you don't need to be born in a certain place to be a part of us. And that was strategic because they were not accepted (laughs) in the Jewish community. Uh, Side note really quickly. This is really awesome. I'm watching someone skydive right now and I'm just remembering like I need to go do this again. Oh my gosh. I'm so, I'm so terrible with, I'm not editing this out because I'm looking out the window. I'm like watching them fall from the sky with a parachute. But anyway, back to the story. (laughs) If you've been here for a while, you already know, okay? This is a conversation. If we were in the car driving together and I was sitting in your passenger seat, This would be the conversation that we would be having. I would be distracted, okay? If I was looking outside and saw someone falling from the sky. So Christianity, though, is unique because the Jewish population at the time, when the way, the people who followed the way were happening, did not accept them. And so they had to go proselytize to other nations of people and brought everyone in, right? And so it's unique in that way that it... Is inclusive, but is also asking you to deny who you are in order to for all of us to have this homogenous identity, right? Grappling with all of that, then you have the situation where this white Jesus, which if Jesus is white and God's the father, God must be white, right? (laughs) Like people probably aren't sitting down thinking like, oh, that's probably how that happens. But the mind, because of how our society is, your mind is naturally gonna go to, okay, well, you know, he looks like Jesus. So now this God in the Old Testament is wiping out nations by the hands of the Jewish people because they are the ones in covenant. And it's easy for us to say, yes, that makes sense and align with that because we have been divorced from our identity as far as our ethnicity, our place of birth, right? Our homeland, all of that. So it's easy to say, like, we're the new Israel, we're the church. And so, like, wherever Israel is, that's where the church is, and all that good stuff. So it's very easy for us to not see all of the nations from the old testament as like real people but to align with the covenant people right because the covenant people anybody could join that these nations must just be willingly disobeying god which i mean obviously is the story of the old testament and it's very easy for us to ignore this might be a trigger warning for some people um but it's easy for us to ignore the genocide that happened In the Old Testament, I posted this, if you follow me on Instagram, you already know about this, but I posted on Instagram how we have been groomed from the Old Testament to accept genocide. Because those people were people who were rejecting God and so they deserve for their children, their mothers, their fathers, brothers, uncles, right? They deserve to be left breathless because that's actual scripture, right? Right. And in the Grace Bible College that I went to, the explanation of the image of God that we see in the Old Testament and who God is presented as in Jesus in the New Testament is explained as, well, the children of Israel were in a covenant where they chose that if they did good things, good things would happen. If they did bad things, bad things would happen. And so and then God was like for them and so God was just trying to make sure that the lineage of Jesus survived and so like all these other things happened around that but it wasn't, it's not God's heart to destroy people like people were willingly choosing to be destroyed which is why being a queer person in church there's so much fear around our identity because they make it seem like, and at this point y'all Y'all know I'm in Mexico, so it's loud outside, and I'm not in the studio. So there's birds chirping, there's trucks driving by. <laughs> Again, welcome into my world, okay? With all of that happening, the lineage of Jesus, right, has to be kept alive, and so it's like um, God doesn't want to destroy people. God doesn't. God doesn't want to send queer people to hell. We are choosing to go to hell because we are rejecting God. This is the same story, right? This is from the Genesis story where God didn't want to kick them out of the garden. Um, They chose to leave because they rejected and they rebelled against God. And so it's a continual theme of Christianity, not Jewish people, because they don't see it the same way, but of Christianity. That we are choosing to reject God and so whatever happens to you after that, you must deserve it because if you were to choose God, then you would have protection. Right? So decolonizing my faith forced me to see that these were real people. These were people that more than likely looked like me. That homelands were being stolen from right let's go back to you know thanksgiving right let's all say hi we got here you're gonna teach us how to how to survive just so we can take it over and put your reservations um but this was colonialism was happening in in the bible where god was saying as you know according to the story god said this land is yours but there's already people on it right you go in and possess your possessions. All of this language, once you start to really see it and learn about it, and then like this beautiful viewer asked, how do you reconcile that with God being love? I don't know that you do, because for me, what has really helped is learning the Bible from an academic scholarly perspective, which one of the main things that's really, really, really helped y'all is realizing that most of those stories (laughs) in the Old Testament were either flat out fabrications, like all of Genesis, or they were extreme exaggerations. For example, there is no record of 3 million people Leaving Egypt to go find their homeland and being in a wilderness for 40 years. No record of it. Okay? So the nations that were being slaughtered and, you know, taken over and all that, more than likely didn't happen the way that they're telling it. And again, the writers of the Bible were not attempting to give you history, (laughs) they were telling a story of Israel. To keep them together, to give them meaning, right? So they were not trying to give you a play by play of what's actually happening in history, because that's not what you have in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, what we have is the representation of Jesus. So, what do we do with Christ? What do we do with Jesus? For me, the writing of the book of john which is most definitely by a gnostic writer which means that they were the gnostics were focused on experiencing god and so that's why that book is so powerful for so many people because it's just it's a spiritual experience of jesus and not a religious one and for me and i've said this multiple times for me the message of Christ I've seen in all of, I'll just say not all, most of the spiritualities and spiritual tra- traditions that I have studied in my research about the history of religion, the history of how we got to where we are now, the story, not the story, but the message of oneness with the divine, that you indeed are God. And that's, a, that's the starting point. That's the starting point, and that you are love, and that love really is the most powerful force in this universe. Because if love was not the most powerful force in the universe, in the universe, colonialists would have won bigger than they we see happening right now. But they would have not only destroyed. All nations of people but they would have eventually destroyed themselves and we would not be here now so love is the most powerful force that we do have in this universe and we all are creators of our reality and so when Christ is saying you call you ask for what you want you will have it it's saying that you have the power to create because you are creators and so you'll see that whether you want to call it New Age or whatever else you want to call it, it's a, a fundamental truth, a universal truth that cannot be destroyed through religion. And I love that. So for me, how do I reconcile that God is love and the history of Christianity? I see it in the example of Christ where Christ came, and this was my answer to the person, it's coming back up again to the person on, on TikTok, which is that Christ came to liberate people from religion. He came to liberate them from themselves, from our egos, from our desire to control and harm and all of that to liberate us from those prisons, right? I have come to set you free. Because religion is a cage, right? The word actually means to bind. So Christ came to liberate us, to bring us into union, bring us into relationship with God, with divine, right? However you're experiencing God, however you're experiencing divine right now, to bring you face to face to that and to help you see, that it's a mirror. Oh, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. Mm. Mm. Thank you, God. To help you see that it is an absolute mirror of who you are. That you are divine. That you are absolutely divine. And so that's my, how do you hold on to Christianity, honey? hold on to the spirit because humans who are not connected right who are not aligned will do all manners of things because of ego and will make up all kinds of stories to back up you know their agenda and will just do things that are not in alignment with who god is just because People are behaving in a certain way does not mean that they are representing who the divine, who God, who spirit, whatever you call her or him, right? Or them, whatever you call God or goddess, just because people say, I am of this, if they're behaving in a different way, it's a lie, right? Right? So for you in your journey, I would say the solution is always going to be to go directly to spirit. <laughs> There's no other answer that's going to come from the outside of you that's going to fix it or help you reconcile it. You got to meet who that God is face to face, right? What did Moses say according to that story? I'm not, I'm not going anywhere until you show me who you are, Right? So it has to be in that same energy of like, I'm not holding on to this name of Christianity, which again, Jesus wasn't a Christian. But I'm not holding on to this name of Christianity until you show me who you are, if that's what you want to do. You are empowered to do so. All right. If you want to go deeper in this conversation, because I'm having this conversation at a more advanced level in the in rainbow revelations um in the premium membership go ahead it's 14.99 a month sign up let's heal let's talk let's grow together and then if you're ready to tap in and get yourself set free of all of the fear and all of the doubt right uh that is more than likely maybe plaguing you right now in your in your health and your relationships go grab that bundle because i can 100 percent promise you it's not gonna have this bundle <laughs> at this price is not gonna happen again <laughs> um but this was just a special i'm really excited about the affirmation card so i wanted to set it up in a way that would be really really beneficial for you that you would that would be a no-brainer okay so i will see y'all later bye